Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. Welcome. We are broadcasting live at home again back in Northwest Arkansas, and we should be broadcasting live on YouTube and on Facebook, Blog Talk Radio, and Omega Radio. So this is our first time back in a while. It's good to be with you. And what I'm noticing right now is just a, um, a limited uh moment here on blog talk radio let me make sure that that is all working well on blog talk it most certainly should be and um, y'all could give us a call then so good morning we have a lot to share with you today and hopefully um, make some make some important you know remarks and statements about things that we have just been involved in things we're doing and things that we're going to be doing but I need to confirm that our blog talk radio website is doing good and I'm going to refresh just a little bit one more time here. Let's see. And in the interim, good morning to all of our friends on, where are we? We have a direct connect here. Should be up and running. And there we go. All right. So I'm just wanting to say good morning and talk about our trip to the Mount Rushmore and South Dakota and uh, River of Fire Ministries and the Ignite Church in Del Rapids, that was absolutely amazing. But first, I need to make sure that we're broadcasting live on our blog talk radio station. So sometimes you go away and you come back and you have to get things reactivated. And so that's what we're hoping to do here today. So I'm seeing some of our friends showing up on Facebook. Good morning to you. 
And what I think I'm going to do is just move forward and we'll do the best we can. So we had truly a great time in South Dakota. There's no doubt about that. We were there and it was uh, an amazing time with Pastors David and Victoria Obenauer and Pastors Melissa and Chad Fletcher. And we were greeted by a wonderful ecclesia and beautiful saints of God that were in the South Dakota area. We were just west of Sioux Falls, about 10 miles in a place called Hartford, South Dakota. And then we went a little bit further north on Highway 29 to Del Rapids and met with an incredible group of people up there as well. And we left last Thursday, a week ago today, and uh, we arrived in the evening and we got ourselves hooked up. We took the RV up there, praise God. That's what it was uh, purchased for, to have these kind of trips. And we ran into a little bit of electrical difficulty. No big deal. We were able to work through it all. And, um, and yet we were um, just, you know, every time you're getting ready to do something that is really meaningful, there's always a little bit of opposition, right? Just a little bit. And we were laughing at it because it was such a small thing, quite frankly. But uh, regardless of the electrical issues with the RV, which are doing really well right now, um, we were greeted by an incredible um, host congregation. And it was on Friday. We got together for some bagels and coffee at Joshua House. And those of you that are up in that area, Joshua House is an incredible coffee place and a gathering place for the saints. And we talked a little bit. And then uh, in the afternoon, we went out with our friends Kathy and Ken for a little Italian food. They took us to the Olive Garden in Sioux Falls. And had some good uh, fellowship there as well. Then we came back, and we were making ourselves ready for Friday evening. And we gathered out in the courtyard in, at Joshua House on Friday evening. It, the weather was perfect. The courtyard is absolutely beautiful. It's connected to Joshua uh, House, the coffee house. And uh, it was just absolutely amazing. And I'd say, I don't know, not counting people, but we had a very decent crowd that came together to hear the word of the Lord. And I ministered out of Revelation chapter 10 uh, about the seven thunders of God. And I was going to spend my entire time up there ministering out of the book of Revelation. But uh, on Friday night, right across the street from Joshua Coffee House is a bar. And there's a gathering place where a lot of people are going and uh, it was very interesting. Something happened. I'll maybe share it in just a little bit. But there were people right across the street. Well, we're outside in the in the courtyard. So I found myself preaching, not to the people sitting in front of me, but to the people across the street. And when the word of God was being read, silence hit across the street. It was really interesting as we were reading the book of Revelation. So that's how we spent our Friday evening. And the message of the seven thunders, it's a growing message. But I believe we tapped into it by the grace of God, letting the Bible interpret itself. And so that's how we began our Friday. Now, afterwards, uh, when Saturday came around, Patricia ministered Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And it was a full house at, at, at Joshua's Coffee House. Internally, they had the Cedar, uh, the Cedar Band. 
and this incredible overhead and music. And it was just amazing praise and worship. And people packed in and Patricia got up and she ministered on the peace of God that passes all understanding at a time of chaos and confusion. Uh, Her message, I believe, has been recorded and somehow River of Fire Ministries, I hope, is going to be able to share some of those messages. It was absolutely wonderful. And Patricia has a a gift about her. She can go talk about kitty cats and uh, the anointing would be there. So she carries an anointing that changes environments anyways. And yet the message of the divine peace of God, uh, people came up afterwards and we prayed for them, anointed with them oil, at least three quarters of the congregation. And so we were just walking around and everybody was praying and it was phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. And then Saturday afternoon, At 2 p.m., I think it was 2 p.m., we had another meeting, and I think I ministered at that meeting. And what we did, if I'm not mistaken, is we did, um, oh, I don't know if we did testimonies then or or what we did. I don't know what we did. Um, But anyways, I forgot what we did. So there was a season of, of giving testimonies and people gathering together. What did we do? Then there was a host out there, Deb and Mark, Mark and Deb, and they had this gorgeous home, just a stellar, beautiful home. They invited the entire uh, New Wine Ministry crew from Arkansas. We had about nine people come with us, and we were all invited to go to their house, and they had prepared a meal that would knock your socks off. And so we all went in there, and we sat down, and we broke bread, and we prayed, and we sang, and we danced around the table praising the Lord. Uh, we, we just had an incredible time at their house. Then we left, and we went to minister somewhere else at 7 o'clock. I can't believe I'm forgetting all this. but So we had a 7 o'clock meeting. And then after Saturday, so Saturday was pretty full day, or was it Sunday we went there? Mama mia, now I'm getting all mixed up. So anyway, Sunday came around, and we had our Sunday morning service, and I ministered, and we had a great time, and the people were fabulous. And then right after that, we were heading to Del Rapids. Right after that, no, Sunday is when we went to Devin Mark's house, and that's when we had that incredible meal. So Saturday, I forget what we did. Saturday has to come back. And then uh, we went to Del Rapids to Pastor Melissa and Chad's church called Ignite Church. And uh, we had a phenomenal time. We ministered the word of God up there. And Melissa Fletcher, Pastor Melissa, has a testimony that is really amazing. It's an amazing testimony. I'd like to share it. Um, I think she would give me permission to do this uh, just a little bit as we move on here today. Her testimony is absolutely amazing. Anyways, maybe I could invite her onto the broadcast and let her share it herself. That's what I think I'll do. So they hosted us, and after the message, we broke bread again and had a family time. And um, At the end of the day, that was on Sunday, and then Monday, our crew, some of the people had never been to Mount Rushmore, and it was up the road, and so uh, we took off Monday morning, and we went to Mount Rushmore. And it was absolutely beautiful. The Black Hills, uh, Brother Ray was making sure that we all made it to the Black Hills. And we went uh, the first day to Mount Rushmore. Then we came home. We stayed at a a little place. Everybody had their rooms and we spent the night. And then in the morning on Tuesday, 
we wandered around the Black Mountains, the Black Hills, and went through uh, needles. I think it was called needles, and we saw it. It was unbelievable beauty. I would actually like to take some of the video from my phone, put it on the computer, and show you uh, some of the images that were just phenomenal. It was breathtaking. People from Colorado were saying, man, the Rockies are beautiful, but there's nothing like this. And it's true. The Black Hills are just the blue sky, the, the greenery, the, the, the places we saw. We pulled off the side of the road at this one place, and you picture frame it. And we had lunch on the back, down the tailgate of the, of the truck, of, of Denny's truck, and uh, met people along the way, ministered to people while we were out there, shared Christ with a man that was come to the, his wits end. And I think everybody was saying that's why we're here was for that man, Gianni. And um, just amazing, absolutely amazing. And then we journeyed back home, got her home around 11 o'clock Tuesday night. And uh, yesterday morning at 630, uh, we were getting our things packed up. I was getting gas and we made the long trip home yesterday. It took us about 10 hours. Uh, not, I think it's an eight hour drive, but we stopped here and there and got gas and uh, ate a little bit. So uh, we returned home last night just in time for our Bible study. We had a seven o'clock Bible study last night. We gathered together and it was wonderful to reconnect with our family here at New Wine Ministries. And um, what an amazing Bible study it was. Absolutely. Uh, praising God for it. It was just marvelous. And then uh, we're here this morning getting back on track with the ministry. And I have a message for you. I have a, a message for the body of Christ, for true believers who belong to an ecclesia, who understand the importance of following God's pattern um, individually, personally. We're all called to follow Jesus. There's no doubt about it. It's a personal journey. There's no doubt about that. But the uniqueness of God gathering people together of like mind and going in the right direction, and the body is not just one member, it's many members, and we're all there integrating in the local assembly, and then there will be an ultimate integration of all of the true ecclesia around the world, which is going to be phenomenal, because we're all members of the same body. Um, but the uniqueness of being in a local assembly in ecclesia is absolutely amazing. And it comes with a lot of benefits and it comes with a lot of responsibility. And today I want to share with you some things about that. But before I go any further, I just want to check something out here. Make sure, okay, there we've got a number of folks with us right now. It does look like Blog Talk Radio is working. So if you want to tune into the broadcast at any time and you want to call in, you could do that, 818-369-0326. Uh, let me say good morning to a few friends right now coming all the way from, starting with Kevin Hauger. Good morning, Kevin. God bless you. Thanks for all you do. I do see Melissa Fletcher. Good morning. So great to see you. Good to see you, Melissa. Maybe you heard what I was just talking about, sharing your testimony. I will invite you to do that. And uh, maybe even today before we get off the air. Uh, if you uh, feel like you'd like to do that. I see Charlotte Gotch is with us this morning. Uh, God bless you, Charlotte. Keith Carey, good morning, Pastor B. Missed you. Hi to Kevin. Hello, Keith. Uh, Chad Achterberg. Hello, Chad. Hi, Lisa. I remember you now. Black Hat. I call Chad Black Jack. Black Hat. Love it. They made a great meal for us up there. So hello, Chad and Lisa. God bless you. Laquita is with us this morning. Good morning. Pastor V, good morning to you, Laquita. It was great seeing you last night. Um, Cody Flowers, glad to have you back. Thanks for having us back. Can't wait to see you and your family. Trust all is going well. And hopefully, Cody, this is sounding great. Maybe we're going to get it even better. 
as we go. All right, so I want to say good morning also to Lisa Hubbard. Good morning, Lisa. Blessings to you. River of Fire Ministries, Saturday was 2 to 5 with a basket blessing. Yeah, we said, (laughs) we told Victoria, we don't do potlucks anymore because when we were doing ministry, people were coming out of drugs and alcohol. The idea of pot and luck, so we did basket blessings, and they did the same, and it was. That's right. Now I'm remembering the basket blessing, and it was good. So we did testimonies around two, and then we did something Saturday. Maybe you could remind me what we did Saturday. So I see uh, Vinny Pots and Pans this morning. Good morning, Vinny Pots and Pans. Shalom to you. River of Fire Ministries again was telling us hello. Jody Keen. Good morning, Jody. God bless you. I just sold my beautiful house getting off the grid because it's coming. Jody, you're right on, and we're going to talk about it. Man, we came out of South Dakota with a revelation of the Spirit we're going to share on this broadcast, Lord willing, today. Um, Denny Sossaman, good morning, Pastor and Saints of God. Blessings to you all, and keep walking and speaking Psalm 91. Amen to that. Joyce Young is with us this morning. Welcome home. Yes, Bible study was outstanding last night. Absolutely, Joyce. What a liberty in the spirit of God. Amen. Uh, Keith Carey, what a blessed time you and Patricia had. Broke bread together and danced. Reminds me of the church in Acts. But to be able to amplify the message across the street to the bar outside is priceless. You're right on, Keith. It was absolutely amazing. All right. So we have, and Carol Carey Carol Carey is welcoming us back. Thank you guys for your, uh, your thumbs up and thank you for your encouragement. So I uh, do have a lot to share, and I'm going to break away right now and get into the meat of our message, um, some things that we need to talk about. And so let's talk about it, and let's do some let's, – let's start from the inside and then work our way out today. And what I mean by that is let's begin to – I'm going to share with you uh, one of the things that probably terrifies me more than anything as a pastor. And I want to be clear about this and I want to be very sincere and I want to be honest with you about this issue um, because this is something that I foresee and something that is scriptural and biblical and it is terrifying. In a godly way, it is simply terrifying to what I see coming to the church All right, because from the inside out, that's where we're going to begin today. We'll talk about what's coming down the pike. But first of all, we need to deal with what's going on within the church. And I want to begin in Acts chapter 5 with a little story, Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. So if you have a Bible, you want to join in, here we go. And then we'll talk about the seven thunders and some other great stuff as we go. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, stole a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied unto men, but unto God. So let's just chat about this for a moment. Here we have a couple, 
uh, a husband and a wife who had land. They sold it. And then they conceived something in their heart, and they pretended that they gave it all to the church. Why they did that? I don't know what their motive was, to be important, to embellish, to exaggerate, uh, to try to get people's admiration, respect, whatever their motive was. Peter, by the Holy Spirit, knew that it was not pure, and he's now dealing with them, and he's telling them, listen, it was your land up front. You could have done anything you wanted to do with it. Nobody forced you to do anything. Then when you sold it, the money was yours to do anything you wanted. And if you wanted to give a part, that was great. If you wanted to give nothing, that was fine. But you chose to lie and say by this mischief in your heart that this is all the, what we sold and it's all coming to you. Now, that is a situation that we as believers need to really examine our hearts in here because we need to be very careful that we're not conceiving things in our heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, like telling little stories about things that aren't exactly true. And what bothers me about this passage of Scripture is that this is not in the world, this is in the church, and that there were people, believers, fresh off the press of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that were actually lying to the Holy Spirit. And Peter, who represents apostolic government in the church, by the way, I don't really care what you think about it. The fact of the matter is, is there is government in the house of God. And if you have unfortunately been abused by wrong government in the church, I, I pray for you and I'm sad for you. I never have been. I had righteous government of God in my life and it raised me up very well. And there needs to be government of God. But you see, without the righteous government of God in the church, not only are people lying to the Holy Spirit about how much money they gave, there's a lot worse going on in the church, wouldn't you say, than just somebody lying about how much money they gave in the, in the offering? I mean, my God, the things that are going on in the church today are absolutely appalling, wouldn't you agree? All right, but that's, let's just wait a second here. But what was really appalling to the Holy Spirit in those days is that a husband and wife would come out and tell a story that wasn't true. They, they, they just came out and they're the ones that told the story. They're the ones that said, hey, this is what happened, but it wasn't a true story. They had conceived something in their heart to lie to God because they were embarrassed or wanted reputation or something. Okay, and the scary thing is, Peter in verse 5 turns around and he says, and Ananias hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost and great fear came on all them that heard these things. You see, there was a time in the economy of the church age at the beginning. And remember the end is revealed from the beginning. So what was done at the beginning, so shall it be done at the end of the church age. And right now judgment begins in the house of God. And what is concerning is that this man, Ananias dropped dead. Because when Peter spoke by the Spirit of God and unveiled his lie and pierced through his conceiving manipulation, his mischief that he conceived in his heart for whatever reason he did, well, when Peter spoke, the Spirit of God must have been so strong that it bypassed his mentality, his psychology, his delusion. You know, he wasn't expecting this. Maybe when Peter called him in to have this meeting, he was thinking, oh, maybe something wonderful is going to happen because, you know, the, I've convinced them that 
I gave all of this and I got reputation and respect and honor from these people. And, you know, it's all going to go well with me. But you see, that's what happens with people. King David was under a delusion until Nathan the prophet met with him, right? I mean, it's just the truth. You know, we could deceive ourselves, cover things, lie about things, hide things, and think we got away with it. But the time is coming where the spirit of the Lord is going to begin to expose everything. And I'm telling you in the church that the light of God is about to shine brightly, and there is a great exposure coming from the inside out. And so here we have this example of this couple that are lying to the Holy Spirit. The man drops dead, and great fear comes on them that heard these things. So, they, uh, you know, he's out there, but in those days, the, the apostles were running things, and Peter called for him. He came in. There were some people around and about that heard all of this, and when he was exposed, his mentality, I mean, my God, it was like a, uh, his, who knows, he was undone, he was naked in the presence of God, and he had a heart attack, most likely, and he died. Well, then it says in verse 7, or verse 6, that the young men rose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. So there were some young people around, maybe some servants, whatever was going on in the church in those days, how they did things. So they take the guy out, and they bury Ananias. And then in verse 7, it was about the space of three hours later when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. So, hey, Sapphira, Peter wants to talk to you. You know, the, the apostolic government of God, come on in. They want to talk to you. She doesn't know what happened to her husband. And Peter answered unto her, tell me, Peter says, whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yay. For so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry you out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost. The young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So the reality is, is that there's a situation where, first of all, this man, Ananias, has lied to the Holy Spirit by conceiving mischief in his heart to tell a lie to the people. But what Peter's making it clear, you haven't lied to us. You haven't lied to men. You haven't told your story that you wanted us to believe to protect yourself or, or convince others that you're this and that and the other thing. You haven't been honest. Okay, you lied to God. Now his wife comes in, and she is asked a question about how much you sold your land for. You know what most people would do today? They'd probably say, it's none of your business what I'd sold my land for. But in those days, there was such a community of believers, and these people had made the claim they sold their land. They gave it to the apostles. Remember, they were all laying it at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made. Well, he's saying... Why, you know, did you sell your land for so much? Oh, yes, that's what we did. And she dies, okay? She drops dead over a land sale. Now, you have to consider in these last days as we're talking about what's coming, God's dealing with his church within. God is dealing with us. And I believe that the fear of the Lord that has been so absent in the church of Jesus Christ around the world 
particularly in this Laodicean church age of lukewarmness that we live in. Our needs are met. We're increased with goods. We have need of nothing, and we don't know we're miserable, poor, blind, wretched, and naked, right? The Laodicean church age. And there are a lot of people in the church today that are walking around having conceived mischief, making other people believe things that are not true. And if it's as simple as land that brought the death sentence, I wonder how deep the things are going on in people's lives that are lying to the Holy Spirit. And right now, I guess we've been under a tremendous amount of mercy. One of the things that used to concern me as a pastor, if people were actively sinning in a church and there was no discovery, there was no unveiling, there was no problem, and people just lived in the church sinning, doing evil, doing wickedness, and they weren't being judged by God, that was judgment on the church itself. And so, and the judgment is that the Spirit of God is not in you. So we thank God when exposure comes to our house, to our lives, to people in our ministry. We always thank God because it's a sign that there's light in our house, light in the ministry. And we want God's light to shine everywhere in the churches of America. If the light of God was turned on so bright, what would he find? Would he find people that have conceived mischief in their heart about this, that, the other thing? And they thought they were lying to to, to Peter. But Peter was making it clear, listen, what you're doing is lying to the Holy Spirit. When you're lying to the apostles, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. When you're lying to your brother and sister, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. When you're lying about things, mischief, conceiving, embellishing, exaggerating, you are setting yourself up before uh, most of this generation. People weren't getting really exposed. And then, thank God, some exposure came to the things that were going on in the church. And, my God, it was corrupt, and everybody in the church was going, hurry up, sweep it under the carpet. Well, we don't want to sweep it under the carpet. It's not intended to be swept under the carpet. If God wanted these things swept under the carpet, he would have cut out Acts chapter 5 and never told us the story. But he tells us the story so that we would understand it's going to happen again. And we're living in that season. We're living at that time where exposure is coming. And, you know, let it begin in us. Let it begin in the ministers of God. Let it begin in our own hearts and our own minds. Make sure that we've been genuine and not lying by speaking things that are not true or speaking what's not real in our hearts. How many of you think it's kind of important? Now, the government of God those apostolic men and, and that were running the church at the time in the book of Acts, I mean, that was serious business. That was to be feared more than the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Roman government. The apostolic authority was a God-ordained government. And thank God that government knew by the Spirit of God things that were going on. I mean, why did Peter ever call Ananias into his office and say, hey, Ananias, did you do this? Oh, absolutely. You know, how did Peter know? Maybe somebody said, hey, he sold the land for this much. Maybe he had a conversation and met somebody. One way or the other, it was exposed, maybe by the Holy Spirit himself, a direct connect to the heart of Peter. But either way, he was exposed. And you and I have to realize this is happening. So when we say that we're going to see a lot of death, folks, it's not only what's going on out there. 
I fear that people in the church, and I've already borne witness to people that have died, and then later on you find out that they were doing things that were so wrong against the Lord, but nobody knew because it was all covered up, and everybody thought they were such wonderful people, but they were living a life lying to the Holy Spirit, so death is coming. I really believe and fear and tremble for myself and for the body of Christ, that if our hearts are not genuine, if we are not honest, if we are not being really clear about the condition of things in our own lives, that we could suffer a death blow. Now, were Ananias and Sapphira saved? I don't know. That's between them and God. But I know this, their destiny, whatever it was, was cut short. The abundant life they could have had in Jesus Christ was gone the blessing in their ministry was over. The, 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 the fullness of the spiritual life they could have had was gone. And there are a lot of people that are today on this earth that if we're not honest about things, we're never going to know the abundant life. And I don't care how many years the pastor has told you you're going to have an abundant life. If you have mischief in your heart and you've been lying to the Holy Ghost and you've been covering things up, don't expect it. It's not going to happen. You could fool some of the people some of the time. Right? You've heard the old saying, but listen, you can never fool God. None of us could ever fool God about anything. But the concern is not that you're just going to get away with it. I mean, people that live in willful sin, hiding it and, and actually playing in that. Man, they think they got away with something. They're not getting away with anything. The day of accountability and judgment is coming. And so that was one of the things. But I also, in this story, wanted to go to the book of Joshua Joshua chapter 7, another very familiar story. We're just working from the inside out today, and I do believe that we're going to see a lot of death, and I believe we're going to see death in the church of God if it doesn't repent. People, all of us, don't examine ourselves clearly and ask ourselves one thing. Ask yourself this question. Have you ever done something 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 minutes ago? Have you ever done anything that you didn't tell the truth about, and you made people believe something that really wasn't true. You lied a little bit about the price or the giving, or you lied a little bit about this or that. You lied about this. You exaggerated. You embellished. You, you conceived. Is there anything you've ever done? And you're walking on this earth, and that pretension has taken root. You've totally forgot about it consciously, but subconsciously, the adversary has entered in, established a stronghold of pretension, hypocrisy, which is to wear a mask, and it, not, it is not genuine. And you're living knowing you have lied, knowing you have done things that you should never have done. Is that, is that possible? That you're walking with a cover? Because if it's true, what God would say to you today and to all of us, repent. Repent. Whatever you were protecting in yourself, whatever you were trying to draw attention to, to puff up self or make people believe something about you wasn't true, repent. It's time to fall upon the rock and be broken, lest the rock fall upon you or I and we be crushed. Repent. And, you know, there's something about having a clear conscience before God and men. 
The Apostle Paul talked about it oftentimes, that he wasn't hiding anything from anybody. That's why I love confession. I love telling the truth on myself. I love it, and I love when people do it. I don't think it's foolish or, you know, people started getting weirded out about people in churches confessing their sin one to another. And I'm like, why? Why would you get weirded out about confession? Be, you, when you confess your sins one to another, you're healed. And when you're in a body of believers and you're part of an ecclesia <clears throat> and you're doing something that's not right, when you confess it, you bring healing to the whole church. In other words, I believe the reason why Ananias and Sapphira died is because if it had gone unchecked, it would have affected the entire church at Jerusalem. Where do I get that information from? Let's go to Joshua chapter 7, a familiar story. The children of Israel committed a trespass. I'm in Joshua 7.1. In the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, what is the accursed thing? It's the Kerem. Okay, the Kerem. And what it means is something that was dedicated and devoted to destruction. It was something of a doomed object, a doomed object. In other words, something that should never have been touched. Remember in Scripture it says in 2 Corinthians, uh, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. There are certain things that God says don't touch. And if we go back in the story, you know the story in Joshua, and we'll let it speak for itself. But the people had touched the unclean thing. They did what again? They committed a trespass and the accursed thing. And it says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel because Israel committed a trespass. Let's get it clear. Verse eight, uh, verse two. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. So the story begins with the, the, the wrath of God now. The anger of the Lord is on Israel. Israel had sinned against the Lord. So Joshua now, in his thinking, sent men unto Jer from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke unto them, saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. They returned to Joshua and said unto, unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. In other words, we just, we just whooped Jericho. I mean, man, we went into Jericho and we whooped it. Now we're going to deal with AI and don't even worry about sending everybody. They're just a few people. Send a couple of thousand. We'll whoop them too. Well, it says, so there went up in verse four, thither the people, about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of AI. And the men of AI smote of them about 36 men for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So here's a little enemy that should have been taken care of easily, and yet 36 Israeli men were killed 
and the rest of them fled, and now fear is hitting the whole nation of Israel. Oh, my gosh, we thought the Lord was with us. We saw a great victory. What's wrong? Well, in verse 6, it says that Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. Can you see the scene going on? And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Now you have Joshua, the leader of the nation of Israel, saying with dust on his head and all the elders, Lord, why'd you bring us here? We're going to die. We had confidence that you were with us, but now we have suffered a terrible defeat and we're terrified. What do we do? And he's crying out. And verse 8, oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? So, and, and, and this is a type and shadow of the church turning its back upon the enemies that are fighting against the church. And the church should win these battles easily. But there's something wrong in the church, whether it's a local assembly or the universal church of Jesus Christ on this earth. And verse 9. For the Canaanites, he went on to say, and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round. Cut off our name from the earth, and what will we do unto thy great name? So Joshua's in intercession, and I love what the Lord says to him in verse 10. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying this way upon your face? Get off your face, Joshua, right? Leaders in the house of God. Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. So he's saying, when they went into Jericho, remember the commandment of the Lord, do not take anything out of Jericho. Don't touch anything. That was the command. If you go back in the story, and yet they all went in. You can imagine. The walls of Jericho fell. The nation of Israel, tens of thousands went in, and the people fled before them, and they went through the city, and they took the city, Jericho. And then somebody sees some stuff laying around, and watch what happens. Now, God is telling them what happened. Israel. And here, to me, it's corporate, okay? It's not just one man. But Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. Okay? They have taken the cursed thing, and they have stolen and dissembled. Now, what is it that's going on in the church today? Are there people in the church today that are touching the accursed thing of the world? Are there people today that have stolen, that belong to the body of Christ, or dissembling or lying Again, we see the same problem as in the book of Acts. And then what we find, they put the stuff that they took that they should have never have taken, and they mix it with their own stuff. There are people in the church that are taking things of the world that are corrupt and accursed from God's perspective, and they put it in their own stuff, right? And they're stealing, they're lying, they're dissembling, they're cheating. They're just doing bad. Now, verse 12. Therefore, God said, 
the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. So God's telling Joshua, Joshua, I'm ready to take my hands off of everything you're doing. Every minister of God and every minister ought to hear loudly right now. I will no longer be with you if you do not deal with the corruption that's going on in the house. Let's get cleaned up from the inside out, right? That's what we're talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, silent ministers of the gospel that do not want to deal with the corruption in their churches. They just want to have it look good outside, nice building, dress up, good music, do the song, the dance, the sermon, the tithe, the offering, make it look good. But there's no real inward examination of the hearts of the people. And when things come up, you just kind of, we don't want to deal with that. Come on, just make, you know, just put it away. It's not the Father's heart. And every one of us who minister, who are pastors, who have uh, uh, unctions and anointings from the Lord, whatever they may be, we are doubly accountable. We are doubly accountable. And when God leaves a nation, okay, in America, you could consider us to be a flock, if you will. America is the new Israel of God. The Jew and the Gentile became one new man in America, the Judeo-Christian nation. Well, we've touched the accursed thing, and we are now a cursed nation, and Ichabod has been written upon many churches and our government and all throughout the nation, Ichabod, Ichabod, God's not in it anymore, because the call to repentance did not take, be taken heed to. And now God's calling for repentance in the church, and many in the church have soothsaying pastors that won't tell them anything, and there's no real light to shine on the darkness, to bring exposure. And if there was exposure, they wouldn't know what to do. This is dangerous. I'm telling you, being in the church is dangerous business, but you can't escape it. I mean, it just has to be dealt with properly. Amen? And so in the story, you know, if, you, if this is a personal issue where you have sin in your life, you can't stand against your enemies. You won't be able to stand against Satan. You will not be able to unless you repent. Now, God wants to give us the victory, amen? God wants to give us the victory. But if we have sin in our lives and we're lying about it, if we're doing the things that they were doing, touching the accursed things and, and stealing and dissembling and putting stuff with the stuff of God, mixing the things of God, the holy with the profane, the word of God talks about if we're mixing things, God forbid. That's like having pornography in your house, marijuana in your house cigarettes in your house, drugs in your house. That's like talking, taking occult things and putting it in your house. That's like living in your house with a lie that's not real, adultery, fornication, whatever is there that's not supposed to be there, things that we gained by corruption, whatever, stealing, we stole some object, put it in our stuff. That's a cursed thing. And you can't stand against your enemy. Good intention won't save you. Emotional, I love God, will not save you. It's all about repentance. That's why in the book of Acts, they took their curious arts and their books, and they burned them in the fire. They heard the word of the Lord. They repented of the accursed things that they had been a part of. 
Okay? So now we go on. He says in verse 13, God to Joshua, up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And this is where we get into the idea that one man's sin, one man who was not being right before God, affected the whole country, the nation of Israel. Death was hitting 36 people. They fled from a weaker enemy. Their whole mission to go in and take the promised land was now being threatened. You're a minister of God. You have a vision from the Lord. You want to build the house for the Lord. You want to do great things for God. You, you're, you're a commander-in-chief of the army of God, a lesser one, of course, and you're, and you're called by God to do something for the church, to build the church of Jesus Christ, which is the most important thing for all of us. The most important thing to God is that his house would be built, okay? And you want to do that. You can't sidestep the corruption, you can't sweep it under the carpet. You can't hide it. The day you do, you risk the presence of God. And you'll probably wind up taking on a religious spirit, a counterfeit spirit that looks like God, sounds like God, feels like God, but God's presence isn't there. Ichabod is written. You don't want that to happen. You want everything to be real. Regardless how sinful things may be, if you confess it, if you talk about it, if you're upfront about it and honest about it, and you're not a pretender, it can be dealt with. God would love to deal with our sin. You've got to be honest. You've got to tell the truth. Stop exaggerating. Stop stealing. Stop lying, dissembling. Stop cheating. It's not against men, truly. It is against God. What's going on in this Joshua 7 story, it's not against Israel. It's against God. Okay, so in verse 14, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. It shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. You talk about an internal cleansing of the nation of Israel, God's church in the wilderness, if you will. That was God's church. That was his dwelling place, his house. He was dwelling among them, right? And now he's about to do some serious house cleaning. We won't even let that happen in our churches today. We have built a structure today that if you say anything that offends me, I'm out of here. I'm going to the next church. Serious business. It terrifies me to what we call church today. It's terrifying. You say, well, it's Old Testament. Well, read the Ananias and Sapphira story. That's New Testament. And that's what's coming. I know what's coming from without. We're going to talk about it. But what I fear more than what the devil's bringing is what God's bringing to the church. That causes my heart to tremble. What the devil's bringing on this earth in the tribulation doesn't bother me a bit. Zero. What I fear is the Lord's anger 
And even a Joshua that's on their face, God says, get off your face. I mean, he's in all kinds of unbelief. Why'd you bring us out here, God, to die? He doesn't know what's going on. He's a mess. But this is, this is serious business. We could talk all day about what the Illuminati is bringing and the beast and the dragon and China and Russia and earthquakes and all the stuff that's coming. That's one thing. But this is eternal business here because the great tribulation, people die in faith. They're going to still be in heaven with the Lord in the resurrection. We're talking about God cleaning up his house. We're talking about people dying that may never awaken to the things of God ever again. We're talking about eternal damnation. We're talking about touching an accursed thing. And if you don't separate yourself from it, it takes you into eternity. There's no shaking it loose. I'm, I'm trying my best to speak to you from my heart about this issue because it's real. It's terrifying. And I've seen this. I've seen this happen. So what is happening in verse 15, and it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has wrought folly in Israel. So we see it in Israel, but we just saw it in the church in in the book of Acts chapter 5. Same thing. New covenant, New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira were working folly. They wrought folly in the ecclesia. Now, they were buried. They weren't burnt. They dropped dead. They weren't stoned. So we have a little shift of things, a little different, but verse 16. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. So they're all going through, one by one, examination by the elders of Israel, Joshua the leader, right? Could you imagine a pastor getting up in their church today and saying, hey, we're going to do some internal cleansing right now. We're coming to your house to open your drawers and open your closet and look under your bed. We want to go into your your, uh, computer. We're going to read your accounts, and we're going to find out what you're doing. We're coming to examine you. Now, the people in the church fear the government and the FBI and the CIA more than God's own ministers because they really don't respect God's ministers anymore because God's ministers are covering up just about as much as the congregation is. People in the church don't respect the authority of the government of God anymore. And yet they fear man-made government that is more corrupt than themselves. Something's got to change. See, I personally believe God's bringing apostolic and prophetic anointing back to the ecclesia. Because what we've seen is a generation without the apostolic and prophetic anointings at work, and we've seen pastors and teachers trying to control and rule things in the church, which is not a bad word, by the way, if it's proper, control. And yet we see the dysfunction of the church today, because there is no apostolic government in the house of God today. We could talk about that another time. So they're now all coming one by one. Examining well in the church today, you'd hear people saying, "You're not coming to my house. You're not going to look in the, under my bed. You're not going to look in my computer. You're not going to see what I was watching on TV." Oh no, you're not. 
he brought the family of Judah and he took the family of the Zerites and he brought the family of the Zerites man by man and Zabdi was taken. And it says in verse 18, and he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. This is how they were all being examined. Okay, but this is, they're, they're centering in on this man, Achan. Tell me what you've done. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. So now the time is coming for examination a purging, a purification, a peering into the hearts of men. Now he confesses, I did it. When I saw, verse 21, here's what he says. When I saw among the spoils, <clears throat> when I saw among the spoils <clears throat> a goodly Babylonish garment, <laughs> and 200 shekels of silver <clears throat> and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. <clears throat> and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. What a temptation. <clears throat> Would you agree? few days earlier, marching around the city walls of Jericho, a thundering power of Almighty God breaks the walls down. You go up. You're one of them. You're the armies of Israel. You're going into Jericho. I mean, Rahab has her little red thing going on there, right? And so she and her household will be spared. And the people are going in, and they're taking possession. But they were told earlier, don't take anything. But there you are, chaos and confusion. There's a victory shout. The people are coming in. And all of a sudden, you happen into this place, and there's a wedge of gold. There's these massive amounts of gold and silver and this Babylonian garment there. And you're looking at it going, surely the gold and silver is mine, saith the Lord. And the temptation is there, strong temptation. I mean, looking at this gold and silver, man. <clears throat> he took it. I took it. That's what he's saying. And I took that Babylonish garment. I took that gold and I took that silver and I buried it in my tent. Our sin is often buried in our Tents, right? Now, here's a tent. The Bible says this is a tent. In 2 Corinthians 5, this outer body is a tent. We dwell in a tent. But it's in our heart that our sin is found. What are we taking in? Is it an offense? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Is it lust? Is it pride? What is it? Or is there, are there actual things that we've taken that are cursed and brought them into our home because we thought they were valuable? Huh? Come on. Be honest. Be honest. 
What would you have done if you were living there and you saw the gold and the silver and bags? of? What would you have done? Well, he took it. And now confession is good for the soul, right? In verse 22, Joshua, when he heard the confession, he sent messengers and they ran under the tent and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. So this is secret sin. This is hiding sin. Wrong motives. Deceptions. I, I don't know how to express it. I just got to get it out because I, I see it coming. I've, I'm watching it. Exposure's coming. And we're under a new covenant. And there may be grace. Uh, maybe no stony and maybe no fire and stones, but people dropping dead anyways in the New Testament. So Joshua sent the messengers. They found all this stuff. And then in 23, they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. So now their sin is laid out for all to see. They're getting caught in their sin. And now it's for everyone to see. How many times do we see this in the church? How many times do we see pastors and ministers of the gospel and people that go to church laid out their sin, exposed for all to see? We hear it usually because people get caught. The cover comes off. What is your sin? Pretty powerful, isn't it? And then while their sin is being laid out for everybody to see, then Joshua and all Israel, verse 24, and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. Ooh, the valley of Achor. What does it mean? Wow. It is the valley of trouble. It is the valley of disturbance. And what did they do? They brought everything to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why, why have you troubled us? Okay. So this man's sin troubled the nation of Israel. They troubled the church. A man's sin in his own house can trouble his whole house by his own sin. A pastor could trouble his whole house by his own sin. Or someone in the congregation could trouble the whole house by his own sin. But remember the insanity of David? David was so deluded with his sin when Nathan said, this man did this and this. David said, take me to the man and I will deal with him. And he said, you are the man, right? Why have you troubled us? The Lord shall trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire. This man's sin caused the death of his sons, his wife, his daughters, his cattle. Everything he had was affected by his sin. And they stoned him with stones, burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. They stoned him first and they burned him with fire. Everything. One man's sin. One man's sin. I wonder if Peter didn't know in Acts chapter 5, by the Holy Spirit, the story of Achan, and how Ananias and Sapphira's little bit of deceit 
just a little deceit, not a whole big massive thing like this, just a little deceit with their own stuff. How he knew that little bit of deceit would move like leaven to the entire church. And there was such a jealousy for the community of believers that this sin had to be dealt with. What's going on in our churches today, folks? It's not just about people lying with a little deceit about what they're saying and doing and pretending to be, and they're really not. It's a lot worse. And we're now coming to the end, and the end is revealed from the beginning, and what shall be done at the beginning shall be done at the end, and it's coming. A cleansing in the church, you and I. Well, in verse 26, the last verse was, they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So now that the sin was dealt with, now God could go back to work with Joshua and the rest of the nation. If sin is not dealt with, what happens to the church? Now, the pastors, the overseers, the government of God in the church should have the Spirit of God to be able to know something's wrong and pray to God that it be exposed. But when the pastors are in sin and there's nobody peering in, God will use another mechanism if the church is really holy and praying and they want to do what is right to unveil the sin against God. I don't, you know, the world means it's nothing. It's what we do against God that should terrify us. Would you agree? So here we have an Old Testament story and a New Testament story. And to me, these two stories are telling us something. Number one, God hates sin. Number two, the church does not fear God today. Because if these things were in motion in the churches today, this level of government and authority within the realm of God's kingdom, we'd have a different looking church. But we don't. And you know what terrifies me personally? Part of me says, man, if you're not anointed by God to minister in the house of God, to be a true governor in the things of God within that house, you should run for your life from ministry. If you think this is about a business or I went to school and I have a degree, if you are not anointed by God to minister in the house of God, to bring the house of God to God the way that God wants it to be, if you're not anointed to do that, you ought to run for your life. And if you are anointed and you start getting into secret sin, man, you better start talking to somebody, God first, but you better start talking to somebody that can help you. If you don't, what you wind up like, you know, the people that have been exposed that were responsible for 30 million people in the evangelical movement, people that are now exposed for being homosexuals and adulterers and fornicators, watching pornography, using drugs, getting drunk after ministering to people that came from around the world on lines to hear your psychical abilities, or the anointing is without repenting. God gives the gifts without repentance. So you're operating in some anointing. 
You're operating in some gifting, but your heart is far from the Lord. I mean, come on. You need to talk to somebody or the exposure will come and shame will be on your entire life. People don't easily forget. Man, I went out 12 years ago and simply saw something in the spirit that showed up on television and prophesied one thing. And, and, and they, you know, it just, it, it wasn't exact. It wasn't right. It, it was on television. It was crazy how accurate it was in one dimension. But man, you know how many years I walked through the fire in that one thing, just prophesying five years. I walked through the fire before God restored the prophetic gift in my life. And I had to be around people and I was ready to get out of ministry. I didn't want to say anything that wasn't the Lord. And I've had to learn to temper myself. You know, I talk a lot on these programs, and the Bible says where there's much conversation, sin is not lacking. Man, I need to be surrounded by people that will tell me, and I love getting off the air, and the first thing my wife says, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have said that, and I need to be around people just like that. I don't need to be around people that are yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, this, yes, that. I don't need that. I don't need yes people. I need people that are going to tell me the truth in their heart because they love me and they're jealous for the ministry of God. And they recognize this is a gift. This is a gift. And they don't want their gift sullied. They don't want their gift to be one thing here and another thing here. And so I'm just afraid for this. I'm actually terrified. Because we look sometimes, we stand back and we look at the condition of the church. And we say, oh, my God. And then when ministers of God take responsibility and say, Their blood is on my hand. Why? I didn't reprove. I didn't rebuke. I didn't reprove myself. I didn't rebuke myself. I didn't allow for accountability. These things are under my watch in our local assembly. So I thank God for the light. And I thank God that light exposes the darkness. And I thank God when sin is revealed and uncovered. The problem is it would be so much better If Ananias and Sapphira would have made the appointment with Peter that day rather than Peter making the appointment with them, and if Ananias and Sapphira said, Peter, I need to talk to you. Oh, what's going on? I'm so convicted. My wife and I, we did something, and it wasn't right, and our conscience is bothering us, and and I, I need to confess this. We didn't do it. Whole new story. If Achan would have come to Joshua, listen, I did something in Jericho I should have never done. What do I do? Forgive me. They're exposing themselves rather than getting caught. It's so much better. The grace of God is so much richer when people confess before they're caught. So what about you? What about me? Is there any sin in your life Have you touched, have I touched the accursed thing? Have we brought anything into our lives that has made God angry with us? Now, the doctrine that's taught today is just go out and live sinful because the grace of God covers all. I warn you from the bottom of my heart, I don't care who you are. I I am nothing. I know it doesn't matter. I warn you. It's going to be dealt with. And the best thing to do is to deal with it publicly yourself. Confess it. You're sinning in the church. You should be going to your pastor. 
in confessing your sin. Well, he's just as corrupt, then you're in trouble. You need to confess. You need to tell on yourself. You need to expose your own darkness. You need the light of the gospel and the light of the Holy Spirit that's convicting you. And why wasn't Ananias and Sapphira convicted? Why wasn't King David convicted when he had done that to Bathsheba's husband? Why wasn't Achan convicted? Well, I happen to believe they actually were, but they ignored the conviction and they buried their sin and they walked on like everything was okay but it wasn't okay with God. And I don't believe that God dismisses any person. I don't care if you're the, the little toe on the body and you feel insignificant and un, unneeded and unwanted. I don't care. Every single member in God's body must be thoroughly examined. And God will deal with the little toe that isn't being honest with him. I'm calling myself and all who have an ear to hear today it's time to get honest because exposure is coming and your sin could be laid out before all. I've learned a long time ago, before God lays you out before all, you need to expose yourself to God and then to those around you. And the church should have a governing body, a governing body, anointed governing body, that's authority. There's no people in the church. It's so weak. I'm going to go tell my best friend what I did, but don't tell anybody. The governing body is responsible for your soul. Did you know that? If you have a true pastor in your life, do you know that your true pastor is going to give an account for your soul? Not your buddy, not your friend. They're not ordained by God to be your governing authority. The people that minister the word of God to you and feed you are going to be held accountable before God for you. They're going to give an account to God for you. They're the ones you need to talk to. You need to start with a one-on-one. -on -one. Hello, Apostle Peter. I need to have a meeting with you. Oh, sure. Okay, come on over. What's going on? Well, this is what I've done. And you don't shuck and jive. You tell. You tell on yourself. Do you know how many times I've told on myself publicly? It's the only reason I'm a pastor today. It's the only reason why God has kept me in his hands for 29 years in full-time pastoral ministry. Because I tell. I tell. I always tell. And I don't ever want to stop telling. And I feel more compelled to tell now than ever before. If there's anything, anything. That's why I got to guard my heart, and so do you. Got to watch my thoughts, and so do you. Have to watch what you're thinking, what's going on in there. Is there contriving of imagination? Is there a, a, a conceiving of mischief going on to make people believe one thing and it's not really the right thing? Uh-uh, don't do it. Well, I could go on and on with this issue, but let's see what's going on in our conversations here today. All right. So let me get back to the conversation I'm seeing today. If you have a question or a comment, or you'd like to share anything about what you've heard today, 
Maybe you want to get on the airwaves and just confess the daylights out of you. All the demons say, no, 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 don't do that. Maybe you do, especially if you don't have a pastor. Or maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to talk. And I will tell you this before the Lord, that Patricia and I, who have been kept by the power of God, I would honestly say we are genuine. It's real with us. I'm not saying we're perfect people, but our ministry is real. It is genuine. We are accountable to the body of Christ. We, we are willing to be held accountable by the body of Christ. It's not an issue for us. We don't live a secret life. We don't have a double life. We have a life, things we love to do. We live, there's no doubt about it, and we believe that God has given us a lot of space to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. But we do take our job seriously. That's why we minister these things. And I minister them today not to condemn you or anybody, but to warn you, to warn us all. Exposure's coming. And we need to be honest about our condition, about our hearts. And if there's something troubling you during this conversation, if something came into your mind that you're troubled about, that you know just hasn't been right, you need to deal with it. But don't deal with it. Go to God first and then come and talk about it. If you're in New Wine Ministries, you definitely need to come and talk to Patricia and I. And then if you need to come publicly before the whole church, you need to do it before it's laid out and brought public without you controlling it. If you're out there today and you just need someone to talk to, go to your pastor. If you don't have a pastor, you are invited to contact Patricia and I and talk to us. But don't waste our time with just beating around the bush. Get to the point. What do you want to confess? And then let's start the process of praying and drawing near to God and believing for his mercy and his grace. This is a $1 billion service you're hearing today. This sermon, this message is, my friend would tell me, that's a billion-dollar sermon because this could save your life. This could save your life. And not only save your life, it could set you on the right path to live out the rest of your days in the glory of God, in intimacy and personal relationship with God. I want it. You want it. I hope this sin-sick world is in a lot of trouble. We know what's coming on this earth. And when men's hearts are sealed unto eternal doom, it's done. And that mark of the beast is coming. And we may already be in the great tribulation months into it. So I heard some friends say, I want to share their video somehow with you. We may be deeper into things than you know, but there will be some people who won't even know they're in it because they're protected by God. Hallelujah. But then it may be swirling and is just moving in the direction of the United States of America. And the lights out scenario that we talked to you about. And then the idea that war, the third wave of war, maybe it has already begun, like someone said. Maybe they did release a biological weapon known as the coronavirus. Maybe they did take out a U.S. president and replace it with one of their own. Maybe the war has already begun. And maybe, just maybe, this war is going to escalate and then we're going to get to the Lights out scenario, Amos chapter 8, the summer of violence, maybe again for a third year in a row, we're going to see the summer of violence maybe even greater than we saw. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe it's time to see the asteroids, the comets, the meteorites begin to move through the heavenly realms. 
And you and I do not want to walk into these days with an insincere heart. Folks, the sinner on the street, the drug dealer, the pimp, the gangbanger, they could come clean today and talk, say, Jesus, forgive me. They're always so wide open. It's church people that cover the most. It's church people. It's a stench in the nostrils of almighty God. Vile, filthy, wicked sinners such as I was and maybe some of you have no problem saying, man, I am guilty. We come to Jesus, everybody applauds, oh, oh, woo! And then we get into institutional Christian structures that we put suits on, we get cleaned up, but we never deal with the issue of our hearts. This is vile in the eyes of God. And I want to be a solution. I want to be helpful to the Lord. And I know that the fuller, which is the most unpopular job on the planet in the days when the fullers were there, when they would take the sheep and they would slice the wool down to the, in the Hebrew, the raw, filthy reality of their, where their skin and their blood met, the raw, filthy part of that. And God's saying that the fuller, Jesus Christ, needs to get to the raw, filthy human nature of our lives. And if he doesn't get in there and wash us, David cried, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. The word wash there wasn't light. It wasn't taking a bath and cleansing. It means to tread and to trample upon the raw, filthy nature of my humanity. David saw himself and he cried out in Psalm 51. How many people today need to do the same thing? Oh, we may have all the answers. We may have a critical finger. We may be pointing. Always remember, there's always three fingers pointing back at us, okay? Be careful how we administer the word of God. Self-righteous, holier than thou. Man, I believe we are in a time when all of us, from the very best, should be falling upon the rock. God, if there's anything. God, if there's anything. Unfinished business. Anything. Fear. Easily offended. Pride. Lust. Lord, if there's anything, go get it. I give you permission. Go get it. I will cooperate with you. Go get it, Lord. And if the way to give access is by confession, I will go and I will confess. If I've done something to somebody personally, I'm going to go to them and tell. If I've stolen, if I've dissembled, if I've gossiped, if I've slandered, I'm going to go and tell. I'm going to go because that's what gives God access. Confession. Don't wait too long before it's laid out for all to see. All right. So let's see where we are today. It's great to be with everybody. Sincerely, it is. Brenda Torville is with us this morning. Good morning, Brenda. Again, Uh, Monica Douglas is with us today. Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom to you, Monica. God bless your heart. Laquita, wow, powerful word, and we are just getting started. Thank you, Laquita. Uh, Sweet Jesus from Janet. Kevin Hauger, this is probably the first time the Holy Spirit's shown itself as part of our life, in our life to help us, but also commit us to truth. Uh, Melissa Fletcher, this is a good word. Thank you, Melissa. God bless you. 
Much respect for you and Chad. Uh, Keith Carey, Pastor V, I remember you saying the DOP, I don't know, um, the dolphin turned out to be a gift for you to the ministry. That's true, and we used it. Marissa, healing comes with confession, and I can testify to that. Thankful. Way to go, Melissa. God bless you. Keep on journeying. Cindy is with us. Good morning. Miss y'all. We miss you too, Cindy. Get back. The hair is growing. We need our hairs cut. Uh, Chandra, confession neutralizes pride. And I was hoping to maybe have a meeting, you and your wife, if possible, wondering if potentially I could join you Tuesday night. Yeah, let's talk, Chandra. Absolutely. Uh, Monica Douglas, this truth sets us free. Amen. Amen, Monica. David Ellison, Old and New Testament, can't have one without the other. I agree. Melissa Fletcher, Lord, may we return to a holy fear of you. God forgive us. Amen, Pastor Melissa. Uh, Monica Douglas, thank you, Jody Keene, for sharing this pastor and word with me. What a true blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you. Uh, Monica, forgive us and cleanse us in your precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Shirley Woolsley, I pray for a clean heart and to cause no one to fall, including myself. Amen. Kevin Hauger, this is probably the first time the Holy Spirit has shown himself. Amen. Uh, Monica Douglas, amen. Keith Carey, amen, amen for the anointing on ministry. Amen. Uh, Monica Douglas, let there be no pride or unforgiveness found in me. Cleanse inside and outside. Amen. Thank you, Abba Father. Sean Hobeck, did I scare everyone away? <laughs> no, Sean, you didn't scare anybody away. Surely, amen. Marissa, no, still watching, just was sweeping the floor. Love you, Sean. Laquita, so thankful for the word you serve up and that you are my pastor. Your messages truly do save lives. Thank you such for a kind compliment. Man, we want to be faithful. Let me take this call. I got Brother Mark, I think, coming in right now on area code 916. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Pastor V. Welcome back. Well, thank you, and good morning to you, my brother. It's good to be home. Shalom. Uh, Yes, amen. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, when I... uh, when I go to Walmart to do some grocery shopping, if I'm going there looking for some tomatoes and maybe a sandwich for a quick snack, something convenient, I go over to the grocery aisle, the produce aisle, and I see a package of tomatoes that's real bright and shiny and plump. And I'll go ahead and pick that up. And then that's my first choice. And then there's a uh, package of tomatoes next to it that's not quite so bright and shiny. Maybe that package has been there for a couple extra days and they're looking a little wrinkled and eh, no, I don't want those. I'm going to pick the ones that shiny, they're they're plump and shiny and bright. And then I go and I look for a sandwich. There's a sandwich there that's nice and big. It's got, it's obviously got more slices of meat in it than the one next to it. It's way more appealing visually at first glance. So I'm going to get that sandwich. All right. So, Where am I going with this? The point that I'm making by analogy is that there's just too many Christians, too many believers who go shopping. Mark, Mark, forgive me. You are are preparing to share something, but for some reason, nobody can hear you on the chat room. Um, They're only, and I don't know what's going on. I have you open, wide open mic, and for some reason, um, you're not being heard. So, um, my gosh, I apologize for that. We're going to have to have a serious conversation with uh, Omega Radio to find out uh, what we need to do and uh, Blog Talk Radio to find out why this is happening. 
my deepest apologies. But I think what you were saying is that when you go to the grocery store, you look for the shiniest, plumpiest, beautiful uh, vegetables or fruit, and then you take them home and they don't taste good. Is that correct? Well, really my point was that there's just too many Christians who go shopping for the most appealing, the most convenient, the most colorful, the most shiny verses in the Bible, and they leave the rest of the verses alone. Okay, let me just speak into that, Mark. Let me speak into that because they can't hear you. Uh, What Mark is saying is that a lot of Christians go shopping for the best scriptures that make them feel good, um, and they look for the shiny verses that are appealing but they really don't want to choose the fear of the Lord in the work of God. Mark, I've simply run out of time. We'll talk again and get, save what you're saying, please. And uh, we will make sure we get back to you. Uh, my deepest apologies. We've run out of time right now on Omega Radio. There's a roundtable discussion. You don't want to miss this one. It's powerful. And all you have to do is go to omegaradio.org. We'll see you tomorrow on Pastor Vince. Shalom, everybody. God bless. And we'll get blog talk worked out here. See you soon.